Today's uh, parable is the last of a trilogy about being lost. We had the first week, which we haven't read as of yet, we had the lost sheep, where there are a hundred sheep and one strays. So the farmer goes to look for the one, leaving the 99 behind. The other is the parable of the lost coin, where, as we know, the widow loses a coin and frantically cleans her house. And when she finds it, she celebrates and rejoices. The third one is a parable we know so well, the prodigal son. And the quote that came into my mind when I was thinking about this sermon was from Anna Karina, and it's the opening line which Leo Tolstoy writes, all happy families are the same, and unhappy families are each different in their own way, which means none of us have the same problems as the house down the street or the people next door. This is a difficult parable to understand and to unravel because we all want to identify with one of the characters. And when I've ever asked a congregation, who do you identify with, more than likely they will say they identify with the older son, the dutiful one, the one that followed the rules, the one that stayed behind and helped his father. None of us ever want to be the ne'er-do-well, the guy that got on the motorcycle and roared away with his girlfriend on his back. We all want to be seen as good. So when we think of ourselves, that's who we identify with. And no one really wants to identify with the father because when we start to examine the parable in depth, the father appears to be rather weak and naive. So the middle son asks for what is owed to him, his inheritance. And in the Old Testament, the inheritance would have been a third. But this father gives to the son half of everything that he would have left him when he died. So you can imagine that the elder son would be a bit peeved if he were thinking that he was getting X and instead he got Y and it was less than X. And he stays behind. And the, old, and the father is constantly looking out to the horizon, constantly looking for the middle son to come back and basically ignores, or we believe, he ignores the eldest son. I imagine at night it's very quiet in their house. We hear nothing or read nothing about a mother figure. The father is so desolate and so upset that the middle son has gone away. He's unable to be happy for the son that is left with, that he stays behind with him. He's not able to rejoice and foster a relationship with him. We imagine that he probably uh, ignored his books and his farm and his crops so that there was nothing except this deep desire to have the middle son or the youngest son come home. Amy Jill Levine writes in her book, stories by Jesus, or short stories by Jesus, that really the father is weak, because like I said, he doesn't try to garner a relationship with his oldest son. And when the son comes back, he's just a new man. 
he suddenly recreated. And imagine being the eldest son, always wanting that praise, always wanting to be told, thank you, you did a good job today, or I'm glad you're in my life. Amy Jill Levine writes that the middle son is conniving. And when he returns, he has rehearsed this story. I will go and tell my father that I'm really sorry. But I'm not really. I'm only sorry that I'm hungry and that I've run out of money. I'm not sorry that I've left everything behind. She also says that that's very typical of what Pharaoh did with, with Moses and Aaron. He kept apologizing, hoping that the plagues would leave him. And of course, they didn't. So we have a conniving son, a son that's nursing a grudge, and a father that just doesn't seem really very with it. So when the middle son comes back, and there's this giant party, understandably, the older son is incensed. I imagine that when he gets in front of his father, his face is purple with rage. He's so angry, there's spittle coming from his mouth. And he tells his father, you've never even thanked me. We can all understand how that feels, to do a good job, to be responsible, and not even be thanked for the work that we've done. To be appreciated is really what it's all about. There's nothing that the father can say to the eldest son that is going to make amends. I don't think there is a happy ending to this story. We have the middle son, or the, I keep wanting to call the middle son, and I do like my sister very much, so <laughs> I know it's not about her. Um, we have the youngest son, who is basically a non-entity in the family because he's up and left, but he's the one that the father celebrates. We have the eldest son, like I said, who've nursed this grudge for years and wondered what it is that he has done wrong. And the father is ineffectual. There is nothing redeeming about this story. And I keep wondering what it is that I am supposed to learn and what am I supposed to teach you or tell you. And maybe there's nothing. Maybe it is that there are unhappy families and that God is always standing, waiting to catch us when we fall. Amy Jill Levine takes a different tact. She writes that the moral of the story or the parable is to live life, to celebrate, to go to lunch, which is, in a perfect world, is good advice. But in a world where hurts have been nudged and nursed for years on end, it's not easily done. There's been no act of apology. And that's probably, even the father doesn't apologize to the elder son. You always knew. Well, no, I didn't. Sometimes you have to tell me, I think. If you're in a relationship with someone, like the, the family, and you never say to your 
children, I love you, how are they going to know? Yes, okay, you do nice things for them, you feed them, you clothe them. But if you didn't tell them that you love them and were proud of them, you would only be half a parent, in my opinion. We all crave to be accepted for who we are. The youngest son is accepted, but the eldest son is not, in my estimation. And going out to lunch and saying, let's just forget it, is not an answer either. So what is the answer? It's still something I puzzle over because maybe there is no answer. Maybe the answer is life is messy. And we all have broken relationships. And we all have times in our lives where we're furious with those we love and we feel misunderstood. But when we come back and think about who it is we want to emulate, and that being Jesus, we know that he too had his little set-tos with his family. When they come to the door and his friends say, your mother and your brothers are here, and he says, who are my mother and who are my brothers? That's a little annoying if you're a parent and a sibling to be pushed aside. So maybe the moral of the story is, as A.J. writes, celebrate, get together, have lunch, but also have the other side of that. Work to make amends. Work to say you're sorry. Work to tell those that are your family and your friends that you love them. That will go a long way to healing any wounds that we all carry, and we all do carry them. Amen.